Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky, and we are so excited to be back talking Rangers hockey with you all. On today's show, our ninth episode of what we're now calling the second season of this podcast, we recap a wild and crazy offseason that really doesn't feel like it's over just yet. Uh, We'll also answer some fan questions as we gear up for the start of the 2021-22 season. Guys, how are we doing? Welcome back to podcasting. It has welcome, been welcome. a minute, yeah. Well, and I, we, we should update everybody. So the last time we did a show was July of 2020. That is a long hiatus. I think we'll all, we're all willing to admit that. But, you know, what happened in that time is that we all became parents. So, uh, Dave, why don't you actually lead us off? Tell us how parenthood's treating you so far. You know, so far, so good. Um, I haven't really said anything about this on social media because I try to keep that stuff off of documented things. Just, you know, I don't share much personal stuff on Twitter, uh, but she's an absolute angel. Uh, she's at that point where she is smiling at us when she sees us. And, you know, it really does melt your heart when, when she looks at you and she gets that big smile with the dimples. I'm sure you guys have already gone through this. <laughs> Now, uh, your daughter's over a year old at this point, so you see this. It's amazing, and it is well worth the absolute lack of sleep. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're at the point, too, where, like, she's starting to interact and, like, not... I mean, I don't know. I obviously don't know what your experience has been, but at least for us, like, around that time, like, Emily started being interactive and like not just screaming indiscriminately for an hour at like 6 p.m. every night and you know like it was just like a little bit more like you see the benefits not the benefits I shouldn't say the benefits but like you you see that like they know you and they Uh love you and it's just like yeah Uh, yeah there's like feedback for the first time which you don't get early on and now she's at that point where when we feed her we feed her a big bottle and about halfway through we'll stop and burp her and she's still hungry and this is how i know she's my kid um when you take the food away from her she gives you a really big boo-boo lip and starts to cry (laughs) until (laughs) until she burps then she smiles at you because she knows she's getting more food oh my god oh my god what a little angel but that's how i know she's my kid because she gets hangry and she gets very upset when you take food away from her (laughs) And as we've been going through all these things as new parents, you know, we had an entire hockey season go by. And obviously, you know, the timing, the lack of sleep, you know, a little bit difficult to um, commit to doing uh, something like this, uh, you know, once every two weeks or once a month like we used to be. So I do want to say before we get going that, you know, now that everyone's lives are getting a little bit back to normal, now that hockey is kind of more back to normal, uh, this show is going to become weekly. So every Tuesday, not every other week, not as sporadically as it used to be. Every single Tuesday, there will be a new episode of this podcast. Uh, Dave's also got some ideas about uh, a Patreon page. We may have some bonus content there. We'll kind of see how that rolls throughout the season. But we just want to obviously get back in the swing of doing this. And I thought the best way to start would be to recap the off season, right? So you know, we know what happened last year, and I don't think there's any reason to really go back and, and review the 2021 pandemic uh, shortened season. Um, it wasn't a bad season, but it was a very, I think, um, you know, sort of uh, it was it was a transitional season for the Rangers, which I think culminated in what I called in our little rundown, guys, the 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 front office red wedding which happened out of nowhere and, uh, you know, with the firings of, of John Davidson and Jeff Corton. So, Dave, I know, you know, again, this is a long time ago, but maybe could you give us all uh, a review of your initial reaction to when you heard that news? You know, what were you doing? It is a bit of a where were you and what were you doing type of moment. How did you react right when you, you heard that that crazy news? I thought that a fake Larry Brooks account tweeted it. And I spent a good five minutes trying to figure out how somebody got a fake check mark on Larry on a name Larry Brooks, and I didn't believe it. Uh, who, who, who would believe something like that? 
So that that's where I was. I was sitting at my desk, well, at my desk at home, trying to figure out if it was a fake Larry Brooks account that said that. Because I had no idea. Nobody knew this was coming. And it was just, you know, one of those things where you kind of get... It's like getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. You don't really see it coming. And then it <laughs> hits you. And you're just wondering where the hell that came from. And yes, I actually I, have gotten hit in the head with a baseball bat. I was going to ask, like, are you often hit in the head with a baseball bat? I was once when I was five. I was teaching my cousin how to swing, and she did not wait till I got out of the way. And this might explain a lot about me. Uh, we're learning a lot in uh-huh. the first five minutes of this podcast. Me getting hit in the head with a baseball bat is directly related to me starting a blog 20 years later. <laughs> is it? <laughs> and we're all better for it. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Becky, we were in, uh, I remember it vividly in the grocery store when this news happened, and both of our jaws were literally on the floor for like two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we had to like collect ourselves and finish our grocery shopping. But maybe you just want to give your, you know, again, try to think back to what like the first hour was like. Because once, you know, once I think we had time to digest the news, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. I at least could see the reasoning behind it, but 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 take us back to uh, I guess that was what April uh, about six months ago. Yeah, so we were legit in Shoprite, um, like toward the dairy aisle, so like all the way, you know, like you're like truck all the way back, and I remember like looking at my phone and just being like, "Excuse me," and just getting like a group text about it, and just being like. Hold, please. Like, I think I literally froze in the aisle. Um, and yeah, that was really fun. Just fun times. I mean, it, it, surprised, it obviously was super surprising, but it also came after, you know, the Tom Wilson debacle and like the Dolan, um, I guess, like, I don't letter announcement. Like, he legitimately had PR go out there and be like, <laughs> The Department of Player Safety totally F this one up. I mean, yeah. listen, yeah. I'm not like the biggest Dolan fan, but that took stones. That was pretty amazing. And he just like his fine was like a drop in the bucket. And honestly, I think if I were a billionaire, that's like that's very on brand for like how I would just waste money. I'd be like shit talking people and just have to pay fines. Um, I... I don't really care about Gordon, honestly. Like, he has the personality of the table that my laptop is sitting on right now. And, yeah, and I'm never going to work in sports, but whatever. I never was going to. Um, I love JD. I feel like everyone loves JD. So it kind of stung a little bit. And I remember being really confused about, like, after the Dolan statement, hearing that, oh, like – Gorton and JD were doing damage control and like going around to other like owners and be, or other GMs and being like, oh, like we don't really know why Dolan said that. That was such a stupid thing to say. And I remember being like, well, if they really don't want to support Panarin, then like, good, bye, see you later, good riddance. As much as that hurts, because like again, I really like JD and I still do, and I wish him well. But um, I don't even know if anything even ever came from that. I don't know if that ever came to fruition, like came to light that that was true or whatever, but um, I don't know. You know, I was uh, yeah, surprised. I have a very important a question. What? Did you guys add anything to your shopping list after the news or did you just forget <laughs> things after? <laughs> I think so. That was like April. So we were like seasoned parents by that point, I feel like. After six yeah, months, unquote. that's like my cutoff. Well, Six months was my cutoff. Um, when we got our nanny, that was it. Uh, I don't think we forgot anything, but then again, no. like I went to ShopRite yesterday, and I've been saying that I like need to get this like baby lotion for like two weeks now. I'm like, next time I go to ShopRite, next time I go to ShopRite, and every time I go, I forget it. And I realized tonight after bath time, I was like, forgot it again. Great job, Becky. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, we did end up hopping right in the car, um, put on Sports Talk Radio, which we never listened to, and actually turned on Michael Kay and Don LaGreca because uh, WFAN at that hour was Craig Carton and Evan Roberts. They would not know a hockey stick, um, you know, from a hole in the wall. 
as much as, you know, and, you know, Car- Carton basically made a living making fun of Boomer Esiason and being a hockey fan for 10 years. So they were actually interviewing Luis Rojas at the time, which the now departed Mets manager. So, uh, you know, they did not care one bit about the story. Not surprising for WFAN. But uh, actually, I thought Michael Kay and LaGreca did a really good job. Obviously, ESPN, you know, carries the Rangers. They had David Quinn on once a week. They have, um, you know, they do some pretty regular interviews and coverage on, on their talk shows. So, um you know, we got some initial reactions. Uh, they were shocked. They didn't know what to, what to, you know, make of it. You know, I'll say that once the dust settled, I understood why they did it. And I know that this is not a popular opinion. I know that, uh, you know, I've been getting flamed a lot on Twitter lately, so it's not really a big deal to me. But um, I think James Dolan rightfully looked at um, the team, regardless of the Tom Wilson incident, and didn't see enough progress. And I think if you look at the way... And look, we I don't have a ton of insight. No, no one does, because, you know, even the journalists that cover the team can't get a lot of this type of information, um, especially last year with no real physical access. But, you know, J.D. didn't make many changes to the organization uh, in the year and a half he was there. And, yeah, you can say, well, it takes time. But I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about front office, you know, installing new people, installing new systems, you know, building an analytics department, building, you know, building out a front office. Um, you know, yeah, they sort of renovated the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack had a nice two-thirds of a season, but they were also fading hard as COVID was hitting. They had a really hot start, and they had actually faded back to the pack a little bit. No pun intended. Um, so, you know, I think, frankly, Dolan looked up and and saw this isn't really, we're not there, and we should be getting there quicker. And we've got these guys like Panarin, Zabanajad. Um, you know, Kreider, Truba, in the middle of their careers on on big money contracts, and we're going to lose that window, especially with Panarin. I mean, and, and I think he just got tired of it, and I think the Wilson incident was sort of the last straw. But, um, you know, I, I, I and, and now the jury's out on Chris Drury, right? So, and that's kind of the next point here is, you know, he hands the reins over to Chris Drury, who is a, you know, has some experience, but a, but a you know, a guy with very little uh, in the way of, you know, working in a in a pro organization, top tier organization like the Rangers. Um, this is a big job for one person, president and general manager. You know, that's often split a- across two people. Um, and then sometimes you separate hockey ops from the rest of the operation. Right. So um, this is one guy doing a lot of work. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on Drury? both initially and then have you seen anything from him lately that you like or don't like, you know, not just on the player acquisition side, but also on the, you know, bringing in, you know, again, analytics, scouting department, you know, front office help as well. Oh, that is a loaded question because I was listening to your take on the team last year and yeah, they didn't make much progress. But when you look at what happened with the Rangers throughout that entire year, do you just say, okay, we should have punted the year because, you know, you can't make some of the stuff up that happened. They fired D'Angelo into the yeah. sun. You know, Panarin was the subject of a Russian hit piece. You know, who, who, What kind of team has that happened to them both in the same year? So They're I, also very injured in those last few games as yes. well, the ones that went off the rails against the Isles and Caps. Yeah. They, they didn't have Lindgren. They didn't have Truba. They didn't have... If I, I don't think they Kreider. had Kreider either. And those are no, those three Kreider. big guys that you turn to. Uh, and they didn't, did they not have Brendan Smith or was Brendan Smith just not on the ice for the Tom Wilson incident? Something like that. And yeah, he wasn't it, on the ice. Yeah, it was just, listen, we could explain it away from the rumor mill. And obviously, this is just a rumor mill. There's no verifiable piece of information here. Apparently. Dolan had wanted to get rid of Gordon for a while. Uh, I don't know. Whatever, it's over with. Drury is certainly an interesting general manager, at least for the first year. I like cleaning house, front office-wise. The front office of the Rangers had been very old. I love Gordy Clark. I do. And... He's uh, he's already been phased out basically. Uh, yeah, he's still Drew around, but he's not the over. head of yeah. scouting. Yeah, he was he was no longer the head of scouting from before Drury taking over, and now he's even more phased out. They had to get new scouts in there. They had to get a new front office look, a new analytics group in there, and that's all well and good. We 
obviously all of us are big into the stats and the analytics. There is an aspect of the analytics group and the analytics Twitter that we can't account for. And I think that's what Drury is trying to do, albeit we didn't like the way he did it. But by addressing the roles in the locker room, the roles in the lineup, by going after guys that will give the Rangers a well-rounded lineup, not just four scoring lines that don't forecheck, that's Mm -hmm. important. And as somebody who was living and dying by the stats for a while, uh, over the last year or two, I've really taken a step back. Because in addition to the systems aspect, which these stats don't account for and can't yet until we get puck tracking and player tracking, there's the human factor. And as cliched as this sounds, hockey more than any other sport has a bit of a closer locker room. And Mm -hmm. they need the guys to instill the right mindset, ones that will listen to the coach and take him seriously. One that will set a good example for the, you know, half the roster that can't even legally buy a beer yet. And yeah, I don't like the the Goodrow contract. I hate the Buchnevich trade. I don't like signing Ryan Reeves to another year. But you know what? If they win a cup, we're not talking about this. The Goodrow we're, we're not talking about it if they win a cup and they only have two or three years left of prime Artemi Panarin before $11.6 million a year starts becoming a problem. you got to do it now. And you know what? I don't like the way he did it, but I get it, and I'm on board with it. Yeah, I also, Becky, I'd love to know your thoughts on Drury, but I think one of the points that you hit on, which I think is so important, is you can have the data. I think the Rangers do use data, you know, whether or not they use it the right way or figure it into their decisions uh, is up for debate, um, you know, or how much it gets, uh, you know, weighed. But, um, you know, I remember when this happened, Steve Valaket, uh on the MSG broadcast was saying, you know, basically, Drury's the kind of guy who can bridge the gap between the coaches and the players and an analytics team, right? He has an appreciation for it. He understands it. But you still got to translate that into into hockey on the ice, right? And, you know, I think it was Lee Stemniak got hired to basically do just that, right? He's basically the bridge guy. I can't remember who hired him. But, you know, smart guy, I think Dartmouth uh, graduate. He's going to sort of be that role. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't understand the bridge, right? That there still needs to be a bridge built between your analytics department and what happens in the coaching offices and in, and then on the ice in practice and in games. So um, I think Drury has an appreciation for that, whether or not he is doing it the right way. I think we'll find out this year. But um, Becky, did you have any thoughts about Drury, you know, when he was hired? I mean, again, it's not like he came from another organization. He was with the Rangers for four or five years in various roles. But um, do you think he was the right guy? Like, should they have gone and searched for a new president over this summer? Or, you know, what do you think? Um, so I don't love any time there was someone who's a president and GM. That's, yeah. you know, I'm a Met fan, as we all know, a long, long-suffering Met fan. And, um, like, I love Sandy Alderson, but, like, I also wouldn't be sad if he left this offseason. So I just don't like when there's a president and GM. I feel like there needs to be a differentiation in your role. Um, because not even, like, you know, I just feel like you can't, focus fully on what you're supposed to be focusing on and there's a very specific reason that those are two different jobs and like this might be because my job is literally to evaluate jobs but um it just doesn't like it doesn't feel like it sits right with me like I wish that they were going to be hiring a GM or hiring a president and giving Drew the GM but all that being said um whatever Drury's been in the organization you know people seem really thrilled I don't know much about it but like you know and I haven't done my research but people seem really happy with how he handled and managed Hartford so you know that's good um I don't necessarily think it was a great off season but I'm also not an alarmist and I'm not freaking out yet because I do want to see how the season plays out I also think it's going to be completely different because right they have a new coach Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe look, there's so much that I don't know. I'm not I'm really not in like DEFCON mode. I really don't. Again, like you brought up the Buchnevich trade. And obviously, I think that really stung and it sucked. 
And if it goes down as the worst thing that Drury does, then that's good. Because we all forgave Gordon for trading McDonough for, like, literal dirt. So, whatever. (laughs) I just want to come back to that for a second. Because as bad as the Bushnevich trade is... At least we got a player who is a who should be a net positive. Whereas the Rangers yeah. had to liter, had to trade Brett Howden and and hopefully demote Libor Hayek to get better. They're making him like right. a forward in hopes that they can get rid in, of him in practice. Uh, no, 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 he no. That even... was clarified. It was just to balance out the lines. I uh, I okay. I saw well, that still, my jaw that, hit the floor. That tells you though that he's not thought of as one of the top eight. They already know no. their top eight, and he's ninth. So right now, they traded him, as you said. They traded Ryan McDonough, who, and we'll get to this a little bit later because I want to talk about the, all the different moves in depth. Um, but, you know, uh, Larry Brooks was talking about how, well, there wasn't much of a market for Buchnevich. There also wasn't much of a market, if you remember, for Ryan McDonough. And I, I don't understand that. Um, so that was apparently all the Rangers could get. And then they had to throw JT Miller into the deal. And, I, you know, that, whole, that trade was a mess. And I think that was probably Gorton's, as you said, Becky, that was his worst move. And people forgave him because a lot of people who were very critical of Jeff Gordon all the time mm-hmm. were panicking when this happened. And oh I, my God. I just I always oh find God. that very interesting with this fan base because it's always damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I realize most sports fans are like that, but you know there seems to be a commitment among a lot of Ranger fans to just be miserable no matter what they do. And so fine, you know, Gordon was a bang average NHL GM. He, he made some really nice trades. I thought that the Broussard trade, uh, the Broussard for Zibanejad trade is, is a stroke of genius. Um, obviously, taking Ottawa to the cleaners is not the hardest thing to do, but but he did it. Um, they had some really good drafts and some really bad drafts, which is kind of speaks to the nature of drafting. It, it is a dart throw, especially after the top 10, top 15 most years. So, you know, look, I think Drury has a lot to prove, but it's not like they lost, uh, you know, uh, one of the great all-time general managers here in Jeff Gordon. They lost an average NHL GM. He decided to start going on TV, which is very weird for a guy with very little personality and charm, as you said, Becky. That's um, putting it nicely. And you know, he and he had he had like very uh, you know pointed comments for the Rangers, which makes sense. But you know, uh, he was probably going to make these types of moves this offseason anyway. Bring in some role players. Bring in some toughness and, and grit. Um, so it's just it's it's all a bit strange. I think it was a very strange way to get into the offseason. But as you said, you know, uh, Becky, the, the big thing, D- Dave, as well. I mean, the big thing's the new coach. Right. So they go out and they hire Gerard Gallant. So let's talk about that for a bit. Um, Dave, what what are we getting here with Gallant? Like, what are the key differences between him and David Quinn? Obviously, beyond just experience, obviously, Gallant's a, a, now a longstanding experienced NHL coach Quinn was obviously straight out of college but um what do you think we get from Gerard Gallant that we did not get from David Quinn for three seasons so there are two things that really stuck out in my mind regarding Quinn and the first was the straight line 100% effort approach to every loose puck you teach that in college because it drills in good effort and good habits you can't you can't have that in the nhl players are too creative you gotta let people get off their back let them create let them do what they do best the straight line 100 Mm -hmm. works for some not for all he tried to drill it into everybody the second was the i'm trying to phrase this properly the lack of a consistent presence in the offensive zone and neutral zone which is a byproduct of telling his skilled players to give 100% for the puck every time. They tuned him out, Mm -hmm. and they stopped forechecking. They backed up into the neutral zone. They gave the opposition way too much speed. And they weren't stepping up until the top of the circles. We're already seeing a difference here with Gallant, where because we're slowing the Rangers are slowing guys down in the neutral zone— there was a specific play where Ryan Lindgren stepped up at the blue line, forced a turnover, and the Rangers had an offensive chance the other way. That was this past game. And that's what yeah. the difference is. It's knowing how to get the best out of his NHL players. And that's the key thing because you get the guys to buy in 
we're the system isn't going to look much different. It's still going to be a one-two-two or two-one-two-four check. It's just how they listen and how they know where others are going to be. And honestly, just saying, okay, we like what Gallant is telling us to do. We'll actually do it this time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Becky, what was your ultimate assessment of Quinn? You know, we had a lot of conversations with friends, other fans on Twitter. I was always very on the fence with him until the midway point of last year, to the point where I actually kind of liked him. I thought he seemed like a smart guy. Uh, I liked his approach with young players for the most part. Um, We can always quibble about ice time and putting guys on the fourth line. And yeah, he had some questionable you know, uh, in-game decisions, but also the bad ones always stick out. There were plenty of games where he made fine decisions and no one ever talks about those because those don't stand out. But what was your ultimate uh, assessment of Quinn? Where did you kind of fall once, you know, uh, he had his full body of work, uh, you know, kind of out there? I thought, I mean, I I was, I'm happy to see him go, but I don't think he was like this atrocious train wreck. I don't necessarily think he's ready for the NHL. And, uh, you know, I think he definitely didn't like fit the mold. But I don't think he's like some atrocious, bad, like he's definitely not like a, a person that I found to be annoying at all. Like he's it's not like a like when AV was fired, I was like, thank the freaking Lord, I'm throwing a parade. Um, I didn't feel that way about Quinn. I also, you know, so like I, I kind of like, okay, happy that he's gone, but also not like, again, not like throwing a parade, just kind of like, let's move on. Um, I think that they fired him at the right time. I think giving him another season would have been just like, would have made all of the, um, I don't know, I don't want to say like tensions, but like the way people felt, I just, I think it would have just been like an unbearable Twitter season although it might be anyway um I but he was fine you know like I'm sure he's a better college coach I kind of think like what Dave alluded to that he has some tendencies that work really well in college hockey but like don't really translate to the NHL I do find it interesting that Panarin's you know the open of this preseason um he like made a pretty pointed comment about how he thinks like the Rangers are going to do well because they have a winning coach (laughs) Which I was like, ah, all right, we're telling. So, yeah, they probably hated him in the locker room or just didn't like his style or didn't like playing for him or whatever. Um, And yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, I also think that, you know, there is obviously the, the matter of egos in professional sports. And the reason the cult of personality thing exists with coaches. And this is in all sports, right? The idea of you bring in a big name because he commands the respect of the players. You know, that sounds like a load of crap, really, right? Because you'd think, okay, if it's a smart coach, it shouldn't matter if he has any, you know, what the experience shouldn't necessarily matter. But a player like Artemi Panarin is more likely to listen to what Gerard Gallant tells him because he knows Gerard Gallant has won a bunch of NHL games. He took the land of misfit toys Vegas Golden Knights team to the Stanley Cup Finals in his first year. He just won a gold with the Canadian junior team after getting the job like three weeks before the tournament. So he knows how to walk into situations and and get the most out of people in a very short space of time, which older players, more, more seasoned players, I think, understand that. And I think, you know, even though he turned out to be a weird crackpot especially judging by his comments today that's also why the av thing worked for a few years because he had won a zillion games with vancouver his teams were known were known for scoring a lot of goals the rangers were offensively challenged under torts and the message was hey i'm a breath of fresh air you're going to go out there and play your game offensively and we're going to score a shit ton of goals and they did and so the players trusted him and they liked that and i think with gallant he's going to ask for hard work and basic hockey that's what it sounds like And, you know, Dave, to your point, I think it's just we're just going to see more cohesion. I think after a while with Quinn, it seemed as though Panarin's line was able to do what they wanted and he couldn't change it. Zibanejad's line could really do what they wanted. And then the rest of the team kind of had to follow the, the sort of hard line David Quinn thing. And so what you ended up with was a very inconsistent team, even within games, right? They would literally have 
10 minute stretches where they would never have the puck because they were so disorganized and, you know, couldn't get out of their end. And then, you know, they'd have these periods where they dominated for 20 minutes and everyone was like, well, why can't they do that for 60 minutes? Probably because the coach's message wasn't getting through to everybody. So um, I was excited with Gerard Gallant, although I, it seemed like they didn't even bother to interview anybody else. I mean, I, I know they did, but it was Gallant and only Gallant. And I always wonder about that with recruiting people and, and, you know, I just want teams to do their due diligence here, but I think out of the options available, he was probably the best one, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not missing anyone here. You know, who else could they really have gone with? Certainly not Rick Tockett. Um, you know, he's on TNT now. We'll see how that turns out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was ultimately happy with the hire. I, I think you were too, Dave, right? I mean, did you have any strong feelings about either way about them hiring Gallant going that way? I always thought he was the best guy of the coaches they had available. I think they're, they missed a chance by not going after Trotz when he became available. I mean, mm-hmm. when when he becomes available, you kick your current coach to the curb and you go after him. But that aside, I think Trotz and I think Cooper and Bednar are three of the top coaches that you kind of bend over backwards for. Gallant is not in that realm, but he is a guy that gets the best. He got productive years out of Ryan Reeves. I mean, yeah, he's what trying more to do it could again. you ask for? Even uh, if Reeves Ryan had Reeves 17. Tr- yeah, even if he's a disaster this year, you know, at the very least, you know, we're going to say, oh, he's still good in the locker room. But if anyone's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be Gallant. Yeah. I mean, he had, I think he had nine goals that first year with Vegas and then eight the next year under Gallant, which is amazing. I mean, he had never had more than five or six. I know it doesn't sound like a big difference, but really it is. And he was kind of a, a fourth line staple. I mean, look. That's nine you know, goals about, more than Hayek and Howden combined. I know. Yeah, I know. Well, I think, I think Hayek had one goal last year and Howden had an empty netter. So let's give them the credit they deserve here. Um, the, being kind. Let's talk about even though I hate to do it, Tom Wilson. So obviously the craziness that happened at MSG played a role. I'm not going to say that uh, it didn't with with all these decisions that the Rangers made in the offseason, but I do think it's a very convenient narrative for, and we're not going to hear the end of it, by the way, with opening night just, you know, a little, what, less than two weeks away here, almost just a week away. We're certainly not going to hear the end of it, you know, going into opening night on October 13th. But Because they play um, Washington on the first game. Really? Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, who's, who, who did that? The NHL. I mean, the that's NHL good, actually, because Assholes. they're treating it like the, an entertainment product, which, you know, they're often bad at. Yeah. It is an entertainment product, and that's good. No, they, they are trying to get people interested and get people to watch the first ever game on, on TNT, which, look, is great. I'm excited about the new broadcasters. Both ESPN and TNT, I think, will do a great job. But... I think the Wilson thing is vastly overstated, I think is where I'm going with this. Um, I think the Rangers were going to do what they did anyway in terms of player acquisition this offseason. Barkley Goodrow, again, a Reeves type, a Tenorti type. But, um, you know, do you guys feel the same way? I mean, you know, uh, Becky, what's your sort of read on the whole Tom Wilson situation? And did the Rangers react accordingly or do you think that's being overblown? I was sick of hearing the name Adam Henrique, and then I was sick of hearing the name Alec Martinez, and now I'm sick of hearing the name Tom Wilson. Like, what he did was assault. It shouldn't have happened. The NHLPA is, uh, like, it, nothing gets through. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter that. You have players committing suicide, donating their brains to CTE research. Like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter that Steve Moore was, you know, permanently disabled after Bertuzzi did what he did in the 90s. So, or was that the early 2000s? I don't even know. But the point is, it's a long time ago. And the Tom Wilsons of the world will exist. And he's a convenient villain right now but like you also wind up having many of these like who was it that matt cook right who like mm-hmm. sliced yeah, yeah. eric carlson's achilles i mean like you had uh, who else like the the there's just so many of these guys who just do these cheap dirty hits all the time and like and and people egg them on and so whatever yeah I, the sad truth about 
the game of hockey is that that's always or maybe not always but for the time being that's still going to happen and so do I feel I I do feel better having Ryan Reeves in the lineup I mean I know this isn't exactly the question you asked but this is the direction we're going with it so sorry but no I keep um, going I love it I mean you don't need to go like overboard I don't need 18 Ryan Reeveses or whatever and I do think that here's the thing with Reeves I think that he brings something else into the locker room. So we had Tony D'Angelo and like we all know Tony is a special person and has some thoughts that maybe don't necessarily align with like being a decent human being. And so he's gone. And I think they did a great job in getting rid of him just outright. And it's it sucks because he's talented. and It sucks because they probably could have gotten something for him before. But like he's gone. You know, you get in a fight with your goalie and you're gone. Fine. They got He got in a fight with a backup goalie and they chose the backup goalie. I just want to yeah. point that out. Right. And like, and, and okay, and I know that there's not necessarily a whole lot behind the story that D'Angelo was like holding the um, puck from Keandre Miller, but I think it's a very good thing to have representation on your team when in someone who's vocal in someone who appreciates and like really manifests his role on the team. And honestly, in someone who seems like an, and I right, we're just using like a really annoying term, but is a really great locker room guy. Like Ryan Reeves being on the team is not going to make the team worse. And that's just how I feel now having like Ryan Reeves and like Tenorti on the team. I mean, I don't think you really need Tenorti, but what do I know? Um, you can't teach tall. <laughs> Mart- Martin San Louis might feel different, but I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm very happy to have Ryan Reeves on the team. I really think that representation matters. I really think that having someone who will like stand up for a bunch of rookies matters. I think that having someone who is outspoken about social justice matters. I'm just happy that we're going from a team of having Tony D'Angelo rioting the Capitol to having yeah. Ryan Reeves is just an overall and excellent look. Posting it on social media all the time too, by the way, like not only was it, you know, uncomfortable enough for quite a lot of people to have a guy like D'Angelo on the team, but the Rangers were then marketing their team around Tony D'Angelo. Oh. And I, I was like, you've got all these other stars here. I know you've got all these other amazing players. And, and it's like Tony D'Angelo is on their Instagram feed when Instagram's working uh, <laughs> three times a day. And I'm like, this is just, it was, it was very – it was often a difficult pill to swallow. And, and I also think just in general, and Dave, you alluded to this earlier, and no one's really put it this way. And, you know, I don't think the beat writers do a great job anyway, but they didn't have access to the locker room last year. I think at times that was a borderline toxic locker room. I think it was clicky. I think it was very disconnected. I think you had D'Angelo and his little minions doing their little, you know, mischievous, you know, and probably not, uh, you know, above board garbage, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I think you had a lot of like the, you know, European players maybe separating them and, and hanging out amongst themselves. And then, you know, I, and I, I just don't think it was a very cohesive team because they lacked leadership and they lacked, frankly, adults in the room. You know, yes, you could say Truba was there, Kreider was there, but um, and Mika's there too, and I think he definitely. I count him as a as a leader uh, as well. But you know, th- this is why um, you know they've talked about wanting to name a captain. This is why they brought in Reeves, Barkley, Goodrow. Um, you know, guys who have are professionals, right? Like Patrick Nemeth too. Again, not not going to be an outspoken guy. You're not going to hear much from Patrick Nemeth, but he's a guy who understands the rhythms of an 82 game professional hockey season. And how to how to be consistent and how to you know stay focused on the task at hand and they just lacked that and you could tell that they lacked it and they were not getting the stability from the coach and and oftentimes that stability needs to come from the players anyway that's what every coach says you know they like to leave the room alone and let the players run the room um, and I think they're going to get that with Reeves and I, you know uh, Connell wrote a great post for the blog about this a few days ago that is why those guys are here and I agree with Becky. And I know everybody's going to tweet all the charts and all of our faces after they listen to this. That yeah, Reeves has had some rough seasons this last two seasons. He's been a net negative on the ice. So a let's hope that Gallant turns him around because he was more of a neutral impact on the ice under Gallant. But b it's probably good to have him in the locker room anyway. And if he's only going to play eight or nine minutes a night, it really shouldn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and um, and just to 
like bump in on that. Like literally, again, my job is to evaluate jobs and like you can't just look at the data for every single thing. Like most of it is data. I'm not going to say that not every, you know, that we should just completely disregard, but there does have to be some kind of art behind it. Like you do need to take into account other factors. Um, Again, I wouldn't make it that. And and like what Connell said in his post was actually perfect that like if you want to have 12 guys who are 12 top line guys, then you're going to have probably six unhappy guys because they feel like they should be playing more. They should be on the first power play unit like they should be doing this, that and the other thing. Remember in 2014, that fourth line was so good. (laughs) That fourth line was amazing. Won them the conference. But not, it, it literally scored the game-winning goal uh, yeah. in the, the game only six goal. against Montreal. The only goal. Yeah. The only goal. And the, but none of those guys, if you put Brian Boyle on the top line, if you put Dominic Moore or like Derek Dorsett on the top line, it's a Well, they know they would never want that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. So I just, I think that there's something to, to be said about people who do know their role but you still do need to have people who are not going to just like hand the puck over to the other team. So there's, it's an art. And I just want to say Sammy Blay, Kevin Rooney and Ryan Reeves are a better fourth line than Brett Howden and two other wingers just because they got rid of Brett Howden. I don't think people are understanding how bad Brett Howden was. And I, I feel bad saying that because the Rangers really screwed him up by saying, "Oh, mm-hmm. you're the you're one of the big pieces of the McDonough trade. We're going to throw you in the NHL right away." He needed time in the AHL, and they said, "Screw it." He scored five goals in the first month of his professional career. He's good, and, and yeah. it just went from there. And I feel bad saying that, but he was so bad. And the other fourth liner, I actually can't even remember who the other fourth liners were at this point because Colin Blackwell was on the second line. Right. Right. So. I mean, yeah, Ryan Reeves is probably not going to be a net positive on his own on the ice. Whatever. Julian Gauthier will get time. Dryden Hunt will get time. Both are going to be net positive. Sammy Blay is going to be a positive influence on the fourth line. Kevin Rooney, as the actual center, will be a net positive Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I I don't see how you can look at this team and say they're worse than last year. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. And and I think the other thing that I you know I pointed out on Twitter and it you know had a bunch of interaction so people saw the comment I'm sure um but for those of you who are not on that platform that we keep referencing um you know a lot of people look at the Sammy Blay trade and yeah uh, you know for Buchnevich and um you know basically they are they are using that as sort of the avatar of the Rangers offseason right it's like this is everything that's wrong with what the Rangers did and I understand that point of view but what that point of view does not take into account is the fact that it's not Sammy Blay's job to replace Pavel Buchnevich. It is Kapo Kako's job, and it is Alexi Lafreniere's job, and it is Vitaly Kravtsov's job now to try and replace and hopefully outdo what Pavel Buchnevich brought. This whole rebuild was undertaken under the premise of we are going to lose a lot of games, we're going to trade all of our best players, because we're going to get high draft choices and those players are going to be the cornerstones of our team. If Kako, Lafreniere, Kravsov, you know, Fox, they got, you know, Fox is on his own there as, you know, he's already elite and will be for, you know, likely a majority of his career as a Ranger. Um, <laughs> if those guys don't come to fruition, then the Buchnevich trade doesn't really matter. And I know people don't want to look at it that way. And, you know, uh, yes, you, 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 you can never have too many good players. I, I totally understand that. But, the bottom line is, is that there's only so much ice to go around, and it was time. The Rangers decided, maybe a year early, but they decided it's time to give that ice to Kako and Lafreniere and Kravtsov as well and see what they can do. And those guys are supposed to be better than Pavel Buchnevich. I, that's just, I hate to put it so simply, but that is exactly the strategy here. And that is exactly the thinking here. Lafreniere, if he tops out as kind of like a, you know, uh, you know, a, a top 40 forward in the NHL, top 50, that's okay. The idea is that he's supposed to kind of be more in the top 15, top 20 category. And those are the types of players that are on teams that are always contending for Stanley Cups. The Rangers had a bunch of top 50, top 60, top 80 players um, in 2012 through 2015, and they didn't win because they didn't have enough talent. And they left Henrik Lundqvist back there to try and win it on his own. And 
they're trying to build a team that has that legit top-end talent. And that means you've got to find out if Lafreniere or Kako can be that. And that, and that's it. And so Buchnevich becomes the casualty. I think Sammy Blay will bring, bring a lot of great stuff uh, on the in the bottom six. I think he'll probably play some third line as well once we get into the season and they start juggling things around. But he scored in junior. He's, he came up as a skill player, but he's also got size. So, you know, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. I totally agree with you both on Reeves. I think he's a, a positive in the locker room. Um, and I think we'll see who they name captain. That's one of the fan questions we'll get to in a second here. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about. Before you Becky's go on, to, go no, ahead, before go. you move on to that, I just want to point out um, two things on Bushnevich, which I know we're kind of harping on this crap, but Bushnevich, he scored, he was on pace, an 82 game pace for 30 goals, 70 points. And whatever Colin Blackwell produced, he was on pace for uh, 20 goals, 40 points. So Kako and Lafreniere in the aggregate have to replace 50 goals and about 100 points. Easily doable yeah. between those two. And yeah. it's... Uh, we're, we're what looking about Krasov? We're also looking at Bushnevich. As early as July of 2020, we were all talking about how Bushnevich is probably the next big trade chip and the odd man out. Did we forget right. that? It sucks that the trade was so bad, but we knew he was going to be the odd man out because they had Laugh, because they had Kako, because they had Kravtsov. He was going to be the odd man out. It just sucks the trade. Yeah, was well, so well, and 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 the fact that you know, as Larry Brooks said in one of his recent columns, apparently there was not much of a market for him, and I hate to say it, but that's an NHL problem. You know, that is not necessarily a Rangers only problem. That is the NHL giving into its usual you know, European stereotypes, you know, he was, he was, he's, he's a weird dude on Instagram. He's another enigmatic Russian. Do we really want to give up a bunch of assets for that type of player? Yeah. He's got nice offensive numbers, you know, but, but even still, you know, we know he's a good defensive player and that he actually is more of a dirty work type player who, you know, scores a lot of greasy goals in addition to the, uh, the one timers and the, and the, you know, slick backhanders and stuff like that. But I guarantee you most of these idiot GMs around the league, thought, you know what, I don't want to give up any big-time assets or picks for Pavel Buchnevich because he's, uh, he's who knows, he's liable to go back to Russia in two years because that's the stereotype on Russian players. So, look, the market was what it was. I think the Blues got a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. I- I'm going to have fun watching him on St. Louis. I've got no Ill-, Ill will towards the Blues, but I also think Sammy Blay will be a good player for the Rangers. Um, yeah, last thing, just on the, on the players in, players out stuff, and then we, um, we'll move on to the fan questions and close out. But the big thing out there, Dave and Becky, is the fact that the Rangers have $8 million of cap space. They have not spent to the cap this offseason. It's almost like there was a trade that was supposed to happen this summer that didn't happen. Um, we heard today that Jack Eichel, uh, the Sabres are not budging. They, they they may play this out for the entire year. They have the full support of Gary Bettman, of course, who's backing Terry Pegula. That's his job. We get it. Um, but if nothing happens with Jack Eichel... What do the Rangers do with this cap space? I mean, you know, because it seems, and that's kind of why I said in the little intro before, it kind of seems that even though we're about a week away from hockey here, that the offseason still isn't done because there there seems like the Rangers want to make or could make one more big move. I have no clue what that move could be. Um, I don't know. What's your read on the situation, Dave? They were planning on getting Eichel this offseason. Just the way their moves were handled, you know, they signed Nemeth. I'm convinced that's because Zach Jones was going to be in the deal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm convinced Ryan Strom was going to be in the deal. I don't think they were going to trade Heedle. Um, they were going to throw in another prospect or, or a, a mix of good prospects and first-round picks. We heard Schneider was untouchable. Lundquist was untouchable. Uh, the obvious kids were untouchable. So that really left them, what, Jones... Um, I actually have to. I'm out, I'm on the cap friendly page right now, so I left them. Jones sounded like Heedle wasn't going to be in the deal. So what? Jones, Barron, Robertson, Rob, maybe. Robertson, and and a first round pick or two. Well, maybe Kraftsov, right? Would Kraftsov have been in the deal? Uh, Kraftsov, maybe, yeah. Um, and then they shift somebody to right wing, yeah. Um, and then Strom for salary costs. I'm convinced that they had this set and it was going to happen and then it never did. But for what they do after, I mean, I'm trying to think of teams with high price centers that are not going to be good. And San Jose comes to mind. I don't yeah, want anything hurdle. to do with Logan Couture. 
Thomas Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle. I actually don't know if it's Tomas or Thomas. Somebody help me out there. It's Tomas, I Tomas. think, yeah. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Do you really want to trade for him? Uh, Columbus is going to be a disaster of a team this year. I mean, Max Dolphin. You're not getting Dubois. We're, no, we're not. And well, I don't Dubois want is gone du- anyway. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. getting Dubois. Uh, you don't want Max Domi. Um, <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, Ottawa. Okay, let's go to Ottawa was the fun one. Ottawa. So, what? Colin White. Fine. If you assume Heedle's going to be the 2C, so you move Strom in the deal, Colin White would be a very expensive 3C, but manageable. Josh Norris came up. That wouldn't happen. I don't think it would happen. You're not getting Brady Kachuk. If they could steal Josh Norris, great. But I, I don't yeah. know what they're going to do. I, I mean, it's just so up in the air. They They banked on this happening. And it never happened. Calgary and Elias Lindholm, maybe. I don't know. It's just so up in the air right now. I'd rather them be patient, bank cap space. And the sometimes the better move is the move you don't make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, Becky, you've not wanted Eichel, basically. You know, and I know you hate talking about it, period. But you, I know you've not really wanted him for a while now, which is not a popular opinion, but I, I think is is certainly a valid one. Um, okay, so <laughs> I actually just really hate his face, uh, and that's not, <laughs> that's not a, this is why I'm not a GM. Um, he's extremely talented, so if they had gotten him, I wasn't going to, like, burn it all down. I was going to say he's talented, and he'll do well on the team, and I'll probably learn to love his weird face, and that's okay. But I'm so sick of talking about it. I mean, I've muted Eichel. I've muted Free Eichel. I think what they're doing to him in Buffalo is really disgusting. I think everything about it reeks, and I don't like any of it. But, like, at the same time, he's he is injured. And I think the the reason that I was I got so sick of it and honestly like, muted all those keywords and, like, honestly have taken much more of a break from that social media hell site than usual because is because I'm just sick of, like, the the hypocrisy about everything, right? And like, Dave, I'm not trying to fight with you. So I'm just throwing that out there and we don't have that much time left. <laughs> don't but make me come over there. I will. Listen, I strangled you with a rope already today. It's going to happen. Yeah, again. you, you okay. know what? But I still had the most kills, all right? Don't underestimate me. <laughs> so I, I was sick of everyone being like, oh yeah, I get rid of Mika and like, we, we have Eichel. Well, okay, like Eichel's more talented than Mika is, sure. But then the thing that, like, people love to talk about was, like, Mika has all these concussions and he's a concussion away from never playing the game again and blah, blah, blah. Well, like, okay, great. First of all, everyone in this stupid, stupid sport is one concussion away from never playing the game again. That's, again, the sad reality and something that I was talking about earlier. Secondly, Eichel literally has an injury. And I know that he wants to get a specific surgery done, and I know that it has great success rate, but anytime you have surgery, and I'm a person who's had an ankle surgery that was supposed to completely repair my ankle and then had to go under the knife again two years later because it wasn't repaired and, like, was told at basically 21 I might not be able to ever run again, which, thank God, I was able to. But anytime you go into surgery, it's not a guarantee. There's nothing that's 100% guaranteed, especially when it comes to going under anesthesia. So whatever. And it just drove me crazy. Every time I was reading, people always put the two of them together. And Spanajad's obviously my favorite player. And I know that he might not sign. And I know he might not be a lifelong ranger. And I can live with that. But like, I was just getting sick of everyone being like, oh, Spanajad's terrible. And I'm like, OK, that's great. Well, then I'll remember that when he scores another five goals on AV's flyers this year. And we can discuss <laughs> later. Um, I don't like when it becomes a competition between someone you have versus someone that you may or may not get. I don't like when it's like this huge marquee thing where like everyone's talking about it 24-7. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And yeah, well, I know that hockey fandom is a fandom and people are crazy and it's a great hobby for people and it's better than doing drugs or whatever. But like, <laughs> please. Like, get another hobby. I know it's quarantine, well, but, also, like, start coloring? I don't know. Like, just do something They else. screwed the pooch, though, because so many other sports leagues get great drama out of this stuff, but then there's a resolution. And then the next big player is on the move because he's unhappy or the team's not good. And 
the NHL has completely screwed this up. I mean, just again, not understanding the fact that this is an entertainment product. And also, by the by the way, that you're playing with somebody's livelihood. Um, Gary Bettman is just sitting there allowing this to happen, which I think is is preposterous. And it's and it's gross, frankly. Um but also, like these types of storylines are supposed to be good for a sport until they get to the point that you just described, Becky, where they're exhausting even for the most ardent supporters, right? Like we should be excited to be talking about this, not sick of it. And the NHL has made us sick of it. And I blame Buffalo, but I also blame the league. You know, the the other sports seem to be better at, you know, frankly, manufacturing the drama a little bit, and or at least capitalizing on it. And the NHL has just really done a bad job with that here. I mean, look. The only thing I'll say is, and you're right, we're running out of time. I want to, you know, spin through these fan questions before we go. But the, I also don't understand why the Rangers couldn't possibly have both Mika and Eichel. Now, look, that that involves playing hardball with Mika. But you know, to switch sports a little bit, Julius Randle just signed an extension with the Knicks, and he left something like fifty million dollars on the table. If he waited an extra year, he could have gotten an even bigger contract. And he literally came out and said. I took less money because I knew it would it would mean that we could get better players and we'd have a better chance of winning. That is the exact same pitch you make to Mika Zibanejad. And look, I'm pro player. I want them to get the bag as much money as they deserve. Um, and, and and if Mika says no, I want to go get the biggest contract, then you say fine. We appreciate it. You go to free agency. But I think you at least make the pitch of you take a million and a half less or a couple of years less, and we can have you and Eichel be the top two centers, and we are making four legitimate runs at a Stanley Cup. We are immediately in the upper tier of contenders in the NHL, and we're there until further notice with both of you. Um, and that's the pitch I wish they would would, would make or will make, or, or and we'll see how it plays out if the Eichel thing kind of um, resurrects itself. But for now, I'm declaring it dead. I don't see it happening, and I think we all need to move on. Um, Dave, any final thoughts on Eichel before we hit the fan questions? Not so much Eichel, more Zibanejad, because this one, this goes back to the player roles and not always looking at the charts. And again, we all use the charts to supplement what we talk about. And the charts for Eichel basically show he's not a big play driver and he's, he might appear to be a passenger. Yeah. But. Mika. Yeah. Not Eichel. Sorry. Yeah. Mika. Uh, I got Eichel on the brain. But. That's fine because you need somebody who's going to put the puck in the net. You can't have 12 guys who drive possession but don't score. Yeah. Right. You need yeah. somebody who's going to put the damn puck in the net. Do I keep saying I And Mika's again? elite at that. He's elite. Okay. If I keep... No, no, Mika. Yeah. yeah. He's, he is an elite finisher. And I think there are yeah. now, you know, there are now stats that do show that too. So that's not just a, oh, watch the game nerd comment. Like he is legitimately one of the best right-handed shooting players in the entire National Hockey League. He's second He's best behind Ovechkin. Second best right. behind Ovechkin. So, I, I will hit, die on that hill. I, absolutely, especially from that spot on the left wing. So, I mean, listen, and and he's got great moves on breakaways. He's a good passer. Um, I agree his defense can be suspect at times. I also want to see how he plays under Gallant because they, they've yeah. been a mess defensively since they acquired him. So I think Zibanejad's a smart enough hockey player that he can improve his defense uh, and keep the offense under Gallant. All right. He only uh, needs to be passable. Just passable and just right. continue shooting the way you do, and he'll be fine. Anyway. Exactly. Anyway, um, rant over. So, uh, no, no, all good stuff. So let's let's just go through these fan questions. We got a few from Twitter. Um, we'll do them quickly. Who is the next captain of the Rangers? Becky. Truba. Dave. <sighs> Truba. I am all for my crying thing. It's going to be Truba. I'm going to say Kreider. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Uh, Dave, you wrote this one down. So uh, I guess what are our thoughts on the what should the sort of power play configuration look like? Uh, you know, I think today they were kind of running with the same uh, in practice. At least they're running with the same kind of top unit that they had last year. The four righties and Kreider. Everybody hates it, even though it's been pretty effective for two seasons. Um should Lafreniere get power play time? Do you want to kind of take this one, Dave? Why is Ryan Strom on power play one over Lafreniere? <laughs> I mean, I don't even listen. I get Ryan Strom produces. I understand, but if, if the whole thing is making sure you get the best out of Lafreniere and you see what he can do, why in the everlasting? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to keep this PG thirteen. Why in the everlasting f are you not putting him? As the trigger man on the other side on the off wing to complement Zibanejad or Panarin, and then moving Strom, who, as we've seen the last two years, can do it without Panarin, 
to the power second power play unit with other kids, with Kako and with Miller and with Lundqvist, and to get them moving as well. You know, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to have four. You don't have a second shooting option. And yeah, we went through this where Sabanajad, you can't really stop that shot. Panarin from there is lethal as well. But it just doesn't make sense to not have a secondary one-timer option and putting your number one overall pick off of the top power play unit with your two best players. Well, he's also a creator too. So like Lafreniere is going to be able to find a pass if they're playing the shot too, too, too mm-hmm. closely. So exactly. I mean, it's, it's kind of a no brainer and it just takes less time to load up when you're a lefty on that off wing on a power play. So yeah. Um, Hopefully I agree just an with oversight you there. right now. Let's just pretend I, that that's th- what it is and give it the benefit. I of think the doubt. we'll see him. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think we'll see Lafreniere on, on the first power play quite a bit this year. Yeah. Um, the right wings. What are they going to do at the at the bottom of the lineup? Uh, so Reeves, you got Reeves down there. You got Gautier. Is 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 Laurie Pioneemi going to make the team? Um, yeah, I mean, how do we uh, how do we feel about the sort of um, you know the 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 bottom of the of the right wing rotation? I like Gautier in uh, the way he's been playing, but you know, again, it's preseason, so. Yeah, I, I, I I think Gautier is a guy that won't play opening night. He'll be the first one up for any kind of top nine injury. He'll rotate in with Reeves. And uh, uh, Pioneer was actually sent down, and basically that was a numbers game. Him and, and Morgan Barron's going to be sent down too just because they didn't need waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Reeves isn't going to get 82 games. He's not. No. Gautier no. isn't going to sit for 82 games. Mm-mm. Injuries happen, and Brandon Cohen in the BSB chat said this, that, yeah, Reeves will be in the opening night lineup. Pioneer is already in the AHL. Gautier and Hunt will be the healthy scratches. Injuries will play this out. You know, We may see Reeves get hurt. I hope not. We may see somebody in the top nine blow out a left testicle. I don't know. I mean, you God, never I know. What, I actually said that because <laughs> I, I have this vivid memory of like NHL 98... <laughs> And it said, like, ruptured testicle out for the season. I'm like, what kind of hockey game is this? <laughs> that had to be, like, a joke by the uh, it, it's, got, it, it's just one of those things that stuck with me. I don't think it was the NHL series. I think it was one of those random ones. Was like, that, that couldn't be real, but I, I lost Brian Leach for the season. Sorry. Um, it was really Sorry, weird. Mrs. Leach. <laughs> Poor Brian Leach. <laughs> But you never know what's uh, going to happen. This stuff plays itself out. Gautier will get 50 games. Reeves will probably get 40 to 50 games. Pioneemi will probably, assuming the Rangers get hurt at some point, will get games. Barron will get games. Dryden Hunt will get mm-hmm. games. I'm not worried. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a good team has those types of players that can come in. I mean, we were talking about the fourth line of the 2014 team earlier earlier on and you know dan carcillo played a bunch that year too you know we, we always think of uh, more Boyle and dorset but carcillo had those two huge goals against the flyers in that first round series so God you need him. guys that you yeah you need guys that can rotate in uh, i'm intrigued by Dry- dryden hunt i think he could be this year's um blackwell he won't play as much and he certainly won't uh play too much in the top six i don't think if he but, plays on the top um, six rob i'm coming for you yeah <laughs> There's a big problem again. You know, that's uh, there's there are larger issues to discuss if if we have top six Dryden Hunt minutes, but um, it should be it should be interesting nonetheless. Uh, last thing, Brandon Cohen, as you mentioned, a uh, member of the BSB group, writes a weekly blog post. Uh, did the Rangers Hunger Games uh, earlier? Uh, I guess on Tuesday or now, uh, sorry on Monday. You're listening to this on Tuesday or later in the week. Um, Becky won, so she won Rangers Twitter Hunger Games. She also killed Dave with a rope. Uh, Becky, do you have any celebratory words you want to share? Come for the king, you best not miss. <laughs> and rest in peace, Michael K. Williams, by the God, way, for yeah. sure. Yes. Um, 2021 can F right off with the with killing some people. I'm not happy about it. Uh, yeah, no, and it's really fun, actually. So shout out, Brandon. Thank you for giving me some kind of entertainment today while I was trying to entertain a sick one-year-old get her to the pediatrician and work from home all at the same time so that was fun um dave did have the most kills i only had two kills but my two kills mattered so that's you know i was also the one that killed the new york rangers twitter account i just want to 
I was the one that yeah, killed the probably. Rangers, and that was you should be celebrated fitting. for that. That was fitting, just yeah. given how much crap I gave them on Twitter for a while. They we all do. <laughs> no, no, they muted me. I'm surprised they haven't blocked me yet. <laughs> they 100 percent muted me. But yeah, and we also recently watched Mandalorian. Finally, finally, season two. Finally, and you just I just watched like, it. We just we just finished Parenting. it. And I will just say that I'm feeling extremely Gus Spring today and enjoying it. Um, and then I'm going to move on. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this was fun. Great to be back. And our next episode, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come out next Tuesday. So, uh, you know, that one will be a season preview. We will talk about, you know, more of a looking forward, kind of where we think the Rangers are going to end up this year get more into, you know, some of those line combination issues, maybe project out some goal and point totals. Should be a fun time. Uh, so we look forward to, to seeing you again, and thanks for listening. Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review, as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com the longest running fan site for all things Rangers from news and opinion to video analysis and so much more for Dave and Becky. This is Rob signing off and we will see you next week.